an amazing day and it's the celebration of when you came into this world and um, sometimes we don't really fully comprehend that. I don't think we ever fully comprehend that. But thank you for doing that. Thank you for coming to save us. And we love you heaps. Amen. I hope you've had a week conscious of walking with Jesus, knowing that he's right beside you. I know that is sometimes hard to see, and that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning with a hint of hope, or a lot of hope, I, I do desire. <laughs> um, Today we're going to look at the, the, the events that did happen around the birth of, of our Lord and consider the phrase, God is with us, and what that means for us. So we've already had a look at this nativity scene. Keep going on this. How many, how many have you found so far? People found five? Ten? Right. There's a lot there. Where am I up to? <laughs> I, I, get, I get our desire, and I understand why we put one of these in shopping centres and why we don't put an accurate depiction of someone who's just given labour on, on display. Um, but the shepherds and magi probably weren't there together. Delivering a baby is messy, which is good for my message today because recently Donnie and I have been going through a whole series on messy grace. Because you can't Photoshop grace. And I know some people here have, have pushed back and said, no, grace is pure, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's lovely. And that might be true, but when humans are involved, it gets messy very quickly. And sometimes Christians, and probably all of humanity, but I think Christians do this a little bit more, <laughs> we, we like to gloss over the hard bits and go, yep, we'll just look at the good bits and we'll gloss over the hard bits. We want to present an attractive picture so that people will want to be a part of this new life, and, and I get that. I understand the sentiment. We try to Photoshop out those rough bits. Christian music is often overproduced to within an inch of its life, and it's no longer music. And when we think about that night our Saviour was born, we want to do the same. We try to, to take out all the bits that are not easy. We try to sanitise it and make it neat. But it isn't. Things don't go the way that humans might like it to. We've just sung um, the, No Crying He Makes. Um, little Lord Jesus um, awakes and no crying he makes. Really? We don't, have, we don't have any new newborns around here at the moment, do we? But newborns cry, and we want them to cry because that's the communication method. But we want Jesus to be a good little boy so that we can moralise the story and make it so you need to be a good little boy and good little girl as well. But God entering this world in the form of a baby and lived like any other human being and then he died horrible, messy death. We pretend that it's neat and tidy and a nice and ordered story, but we do this to our own detriment, and mainly because we're not celebrating the truth of that night, nor what happened on the cross. And I find it ironic that we're flexible with the truth of this event, 
about the birth of a man who had a lot to say <laughs> about truth. And we don't tell the whole truth about his birth. And I think this story is one of great encouragement, not because Christians don't experience hard things. Donnie quoted C.S. Lewis to me. He said something like, if you, if you want an easy life, then Christianity probably isn't for you. And that's mine and Donnie's paraphrase. <laughs> but I think this story is one of great encouragement because we experience the same struggles as everybody else, but we are, we are told that God is with us. And I want to explore that this morning. Because how many of you live lives of perfect harmony and nothing ever goes wrong around you? I wasn't sure. Sometimes people go, yes, me. Um, There might have been one or two. But I think we're all pretty honest this morning that in my life, I have trouble. If God is real, then my life will be easier is the saying. (laughs) We're going to explore the events of this night and see if that was true for Mary and the Son of God himself. So let's keep the idea of a perfect life in our mind as we read this. I I want you to imagine that you are Mary. You are a Jewish teenage girl and you're pregnant and, you know, there's some rumours going around about how you got pregnant and, and these rumours have led to your fiancé considering breaking off the engagement. Yes, it's all perfect. Why, what are you talking about that? Perfect. Everything's going right. And then some Roman politician, far away, he decides he wants to raise taxes. Again, everything's going well. How could, what's wrong with that? But now you have to travel... And Richie said it last night, she had to, Mary had to travel a fair distance on the back of a donkey or some sort of travelling thing while she was about to give birth. Now, you're stuck in a city far away from your home. You've gone to your, hus- your fiancé's um, ancestry land, not yours. <laughs> you're far away from your family, your friends. You're forced to give birth in a stable in a cave, that spare room where the animals go. We don't know. Not a hospital wing with nurses and doctors right there. Is Joseph with you when you give birth to Jesus? Who's thought of that question? Probably not. Giving birth was women's business. Did you have a midwife with you? We know that midwives were important in Jewish culture, like back in Moses' day, you know, the awesome midwives who were very cheeky to Pharaoh and said, Hebrew babies are so strong, they come out before we get there. Or maybe your Hebrew baby was strong and did come out really easily and you've been alone and the baby came out just perfectly. Or maybe, as Mary, you've, you've been through a pretty rough evening giving birth without your betrothed without your mother, without your best friend, without, (laughs) you're alone. Some of you might be thinking that I'm only concentrating on the negatives. This is the Son of God, hallelujah. Why aren't you saying all the positives? I am. (laughs) I've just said the Son of God was born. 
But the circumstances around that were not easy. And do you think that having a newborn in this setting makes Mary and Joseph's life easier or harder? And then things go from bad to worse. Okay, so, so part of some, one part is some strange magicians come from a faraway land and drop some cash in your lap. Okay, that's a good point. Let's, let's focus on that. <laughs> but then some shepherds start filing in and wanting to see the baby. They didn't have those hand sanitizer things back then. And so you're probably sitting there going, please don't touch the baby. I don't know where your hands have been. Things aren't looking good. But surely things are going to start looking up. Because in Luke's account, Mary, you've, you've already sung a song, a wonderful song about this baby that's coming to you and how wonderful that baby will be for all mankind. And how all the nations will be blessed because of this pregnancy and this birth that you've just experienced. And then you hear a report that Roman soldiers are on their way to where you are because they want to find your baby, not to worship them like the shepherds and the, the, the magicians. They're coming to kill your baby. And so you have to flee in the middle of the night and likely use all that magician cash to get away. And, but you make it to Egypt. And after travelling on a donkey for a lot longer than the distance from <laughs> that you've just travelled, you've travelled a couple of thousand kilometres now, you have a newborn, you're in a new town with nobody around you. Does that sound like fun to anybody? Do you remember travelling with a newborn, those who have had newborns? Do you remember travelling in air-conditioned cars with newborns? What's going on in your mind, imaginary Mary? You're imagining you're Mary. And we're coming back to we are pretending we're Mary. What's going on in your mind? Hallelujah, God is with me. Probably, where is God? Where is God in all this? Has he deserted me? And I was going to have things up on the screen, but I don't know what happened to that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them on or turn to them into Matthew. I'm just going to go through the bit in Matthew a little bit. The first, the second chapter, actually. I've skipped all the names and gone to the second chapter. Because I think Matthew, he wants us to consider another option. He wants us to consider that despite all this horrendous evil that's going on around us, that his son, Emmanuel, God is with us, makes all the difference. Matthew reminds us that as Israel, they've seen this before. And he recalls two stories that illustrate that God is with his people. We've seen this before. And God was right there in the midst of his people. God has dealt with evil kings before. The first reminder was that God was with his people when they had to escape the rage of another deadly king who wanted to kill all the baby boys. You see the similarity? This has happened before. Pharaoh hated God's people and made it life really hard for them, but God was right there with his people and helped them escape. And this is what the phrase there means, um, out of Egypt I called my son. He's referring to calling Israel 
out of Egypt. God saved his son, the people of Israel, from an evil king, the Pharaoh who was determined to kill them. Now he was saving his son, Jesus, from an evil king who was determined to kill him. God was not distant in that moment. God was right there with his people and he was right there with Mary and Joseph as they fled. The second reminder was yet another evil king came and surrounded Jerusalem and burnt the city down and killed many people and then took most of the remaining survivors to Babylon. Where was God while all this was happening? Matthew describes him as being like Rachel weeping for her children. Rachel was Jacob's wife, so the story of Jacob and his, the father, he became Israel. So in some ways, you talk about Rachel, his favourite wife. You're talking about sort of a mother figure in Israel. She died giving birth to her second son, Benjamin, which is why Jacob didn't want Benjamin to go to Egypt in that story about a technicolour dream coat. And the, the prophet Jeremiah links Rachel weeping from the grave just outside Bethlehem. Where's Mary? Just outside Bethlehem. For Jeremiah, Rachel was weeping for the people of Israel who were being exiled. And Matthew picks up on this idea and identifies more Israel, Israelite children being oppressed and some being exiled and some being killed. Another king from Babylon, Rome, Herod, was trying to thwart God's plan by trying to hold on to whatever power he can. Matthew is saying here, where is God in this tragedy? What is he doing? He's right there in the midst of the pain, weeping. God is weeping for the loss of life that has occurred. I often say, Jesus, uh, I hope you've had a week walking with Jesus and recognise that he's right there beside you. The God and that Matthew describes is a present God. He's not a God that's created the earth and sits on high far away from us. He's a God that's right there beside us. It might feel like he's absent, but this, is, this story invites us to consider a God that is walking right beside us, and I think that's a, a story of hope. Because Jesus came into this earth, the Son of God came into this earth. And this, all of these things I've described happened to the Son of God as he came into this earth. We are going to experience troubles. But God is right there beside us. There is a hope for a time that is coming when God will be recognised as the rightful king and justice will be served and evil will be reckoned with. But this hope doesn't mean that we Photoshop all the hard bits out. We hold them both together. We're going through this hard, this hard time and Jesus is right there beside me. This, we live in a fallen world and we can, we can see the impact of sin all around us. Some of us are going through tough times right now. Some I know about, some I don't. Some of us are coming out the other side of hard times right now. I think we're all coming out the other side of this whole COVID thing. has been a hard time for many of us. The world has changed. We've lost friends and family 
Sometimes we've lost them through death. Others we've lost through difference of opinion of how to respond to COVID. There's a loss in the way we do things. The world is simply not the same as it was and many people are grieving that loss. We can hold on to that grief and know that Jesus is right there beside us. Some of us are about to head into times of struggle in the coming days, months and years, things we don't even know about yet. Where is God in all of this? I hope that you, in the days to come, remember that Jesus is right there beside you. He cares deeply for what you're going through. When you weep, he'll be weeping along with you. And yes, there will be the ultimate hope of a time to come when he returns and evil kings will be dealt with for good. Matthew began his story saying that the child would be born and he would be named Emmanuel. God is with us. And he ends his gospel, if you flick to chapter 28, (laughs) something like that, anyway, and he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. So when we look at a nativity scene like this one in front of us, or in our display cabinets at home, and we see the perfect little family and the clean little stable and everything going perfectly well, I just hope that you can chuckle and think to yourself, I can see what they're doing there, but my life's not like that. But I know God is with me. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep on asking the question, I hope that you've had a week walking with Jesus. So, who did, who did, my, who did my task? How many did you find? 16? Did you see the Nazareth, um, Nazareth High School jersey? The Ezekiel 34, 15 to 16 on the side of the phone? No? You didn't see that one? Yeah? Dave's City Motel, no vacancy. New manger, not manager. The A has been dropped off the... <laughs> oh, there's something else there. There's, oh, it, there was one, one there was something like vote for, vote for Herod. Yeah, um, there's a little dove there. I don't know, there's so, so many. But I hope you enjoyed doing that too, because I've enjoyed that. So take this away. If you haven't got one and you want one, come down the front and take one. Um, if you really need one and haven't got one, call me, email me or something and I'll send you a digital copy. But thank you. Um, I hope that this morning has been um, something that has helped you. And I hope that as you go away this morning you remember what this day is about and you celebrate that with your family and your loved ones and your friends. So thank you and I will see you next week. Bye. (laughs) Don't clap, it's not worth clapping.